Welcome to the latest episode of At Home, the podcast. We're sitting in sunny Wakarusa, Indiana today. Y'all, it's a beautiful day. October still here, and it is, what is it supposed to be today? 76 degrees outside, and we are sitting inside Ooh. the studio looking outside at the sunshine. And uh, the frankly, colors frankly we can't wait to get out there ourselves. Guys, let's catch up just a little bit. Uh, in full transparency on the podcast today, three of the four of us sitting around this table just got back from eating Chinese food at a restaurant in Napanee. So good. And we are ready for a nap, quite oh. frankly. And then there's Angie sitting over here ready to go. <laughs> Well, yes, but I also came ready for this room for a conversation today that I think I love to talk with these guys. I don't think our listeners know that we are not only co-workers, but we are friends. And so I said, hey, what are you guys doing in life? And yeah, what, what's happening at home? And Dustin and I had a conversation this morning because, Dustin, you got a big, week, big weekend coming. Yes, going to be attempting to run a half marathon. We'll see how that goes. So. After today, not probably going to go well. But <laughs> so Chinese is not part of the pregame to a to an indie half marathon. No, I I would. Oh, you're doing it in indie. I am. Yeah. So it should be. I heard fun. that one's easy though. Yeah. 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 It's flatter. Right. Hey, let me ask you this: We <laughs> half a marathon. To half a marathon. We talked about uh, your your pace at lunch today while we were eating really unhealthy food, and uh, tell the listeners how fast you run in a mile. I don't. I don't. I don't know. It, he knows. It's it's fast enough to hopefully finish a half marathon. He so said I'm excited at, about that. In three miles, he can run it at a seven-minute pace. So I'm, That's I'm good. I'm never running with Dustin. Okay. Let's just put it that way. Sorry, yeah. Dustin. Unless you can get that down to a 10-minute pace, you will not see me next to you. Well, here's another uh, sports trivia. How many laps does it take in swimming to swim a mile in a short course yard pool? A mile? Yeah, which Katie did this weekend. And uh, being that it's October, I am getting into swim season. So this is part of my weekend. I watched both Katie and Grace swim all weekend. I was going to say laps. I'm going to say 30. Negative. 32. Positive 66. 66 Serious. laps to take, yes, to take on the mile in the short course yard pool. Okay, well, yes. you didn't say short course yard pool. I did. Said she that, I I she said short course, but she left yard, yard pool out of it. Yeah. <laughs> was it 100? You lost me at yard. Was it 100 yeah. yards? Well, <laughs> yes. So anyways, I spent a lot of time at the pool this last weekend and plan to for the next couple months of my life, but pretty exciting things. Yeah. That's awesome. So, you know what we did this weekend? This is unrelated to sports or what Dustin's doing here next weekend, but we went to the Children's Museum in Indianapolis. That was pretty cool. Boys walked around. What, what are you looking at me? Like I could have been there at the same time. Seriously, you were there? No, I'm saying if you would have waited until this weekend. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so that place is pretty cool. Would have yeah. just been Angie and I at church. Yeah, that had been yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> you guys could have had some Chinese food. I take care of the kids. You, t you care for the yeah. adults. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, guys, I pretty much took pictures all weekend. Uh, it's Friday night, my brother and I take pictures at Northwood football games. That spills over into editing into the wee hours of the Saturday morning. Saturday morning took pictures. Sunday afternoon took pictures. And uh, here I am, Tuesday. You know what I'm going to do this afternoon? 
Go take pictures. Yeah, one more shoot to do. So nice. it's very. It's everybody wants the fall colors. Oh, it's this gorgeous. Today is perfect for pictures. It is. It yeah. is. So that's just, what's going on. It kind of leads into. It's a beautiful day outside. It kind of leads into a little bit of our topic today. We're going to talk about mental health, and we see that mental health issues are. You know, I, it's hard to say, guys. Do you think they're on the rise, or are we just more able to identify it because people talk about it more? Which do you think it is? Well, I definitely think it's part of the conversation. Ever since COVID, we kind of got into this idea that um, mental health is a really big deal because when we ended up spending time by ourselves and with our own families in our homes kind of um, secluded, we realized how, I guess you could say, unhealthy we are even mentally because we can take a stock in our physical health. We can take stock in our financial health, but a lot of times we don't take time to look at our mental health our financials are easy, our physical, hey, we can, you know, gauge by BMI and our, you know, our run in a half marathon and what our time is. But sometimes what is our gauge mm -hmm. for mental health? I wouldn't say that it's um, not on the rise. Like I, I would say it is, it's rising because of so many variables, right? Like last week we talked about social media um, a little bit and, and those kind of variables, I think, add to mental health problems, right? And so I, I would say that it's on the rise due to a lot of different things being thrown um, in front of our, in front of us and in, in our day-to-day -day lives. And the sheer volume, I think, of just awareness that we have, I think is maybe a little bit more evident. Just the fact that people do put themselves out there, whether it is on social media or other platforms that they're able just to express themselves and you you're able to see it a little bit more visibly than maybe we have in the past. And it seems to be part of the reason why it seems it's just more evident today. Right. And I don't want to um, say this wrong. I do think that it is important to recognize that there is mental illness. And we kind of talked about the difference that what we're talking about here is mental health. This is something that we, we can all buy into to be healthy mentally, to have ourselves grounded and have a, a good, um, positive outlook on life. And so we aren't, uh, I guess you could say, saying that there's no such thing as mental illness that we, that can be diagnosed, treated and, um, have therapy. And, and so I just, I think this conversation we're looking for today is on mental health. Yeah, definitely not mental illness, more of a mental health, uh, making wise choices. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, nobody made us go eat Chinese today. That was a choice we made. It was a great choice. <laughs> Brant made us go eat Chinese today. <laughs> but again, the, the mental well-being, the choices that we make and, and, and living healthy and, and really we want to talk about this because this is at home, the podcast, how does mental health hit home? And so I want to take a look today, more or less at, at two specific topics. And one is trying to find the balance, I think, in our home life between work, between school, the family, just how does mental health impact our homes? It seems like we're living at a pace. We've talked about this in past pod podcasts. It seems like we're living at a very hectic pace. And in my opinion, we, we aren't taking time to do healthy things, make healthy choices as a family. And I think the rat race of the 18 years of raising a child um, just kind of starts at the birth and it just runs until graduation. And we don't really always build in enough time to, to stop. 
Well, I think it's even when you say balance of work and family, I think it also is the career chase, you know, it's not just family life, but it's the career chases. You know, we all think we are kind of aiming for something in the future and we forget that the balance and the time during the day and how we spend it does impact our families. And are we focused more on work? Are we focused more on our uh, marriage and our home and what we're building there? Yeah, and the whole idea of getting ahead, and I know that's kind of what you were just talking about, but a little bit of like, are we getting ahead financially? Are we getting ahead of our calendar, of our schedules? Are we getting ahead of where we're at in our careers? And I think that has, for whatever reason, been the thing that has kind of taken precedent in these last several years as, well, I need to get ahead. So even if it's sacrificing time with, with family or sacrificing the rest that I may need you know, I want to do whatever I can to put myself or my family in a position to succeed. Mm-hmm. I want to throw out this idea, too, because we did talk about technology last week. And so because of technology, we've gained more time in our day. So the question could also be, what are you doing with that extra time? Mm-hmm. How are you spending it? Are you using technology to give you a better day or is technology using you and consuming you and taking away your time from your family? And I just say, because I love technology. You guys around this table know that I love to be productive. But I can also totally throw away that productivity with how I spend my time because of those extra hours I get. And so I think balancing family life and mental health is huge that I'm glad it gives me more time with my kids. I can spend time in the evening and I can kind of shut down, I guess is the way I would say it, throw in my phone in the and not open it and not look at text messages because I've gained and I've done the work that I needed to do for that day. Good for you. I, uh, yeah, you were going to say something. I was going to say, I think the opposite for at least from my perspective that I think technology and, and all the advancements has actually caused us to waste more time. And maybe that's just me personally. Um, I, I think that maybe, you know, looking at myself, the balance isn't there and, and not necessarily with work and family life, but when I'm in my family life, I often choose, we often choose to engage with whatever we have in front of us, whether that's the TV or the phone or whatever. And even though it it does have a lot of things that help us save time, it also has a lot of things that, you know, require time. I I was thinking about Sunday service for whatever reason on Sunday, I think it's probably the Holy Spirit. My phone dings and it tells me what my screen time was for the week, like in the midst of, you know, one of you guys preaching and it tells me if it's up, you know, 17% from last mm-hmm. week or 10% mm-hmm. down from the week before. And, you know, I don't know what your guys' screen time is on your phones, but holy smokes, every week I'm like, man, I can do better than that, right? Because I know what's required and what's required isn't the amount of time I'm seeing. You know, the amount of time I'm seeing is what I choose. So, Sean and I find ourselves as empty nesters now. And so one of the things I think we are both a little bit wired towards is we could just keep working. So you get home at the mm-hmm. end of the day, we just mm-hmm. keep working uh, because we always have something to do. We always have enough to do. Uh, Angie, I'm intrigued by something. I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more about it. You talked about how, you know, just set the phone aside. And, and the words I would put into your mouth is you were saying intentionality. You found ways or you try to find ways to be intentional. How do you guys find ways to be intentional about being present in the home and leaving work at work? Mm-hmm. I think that's a, a really good 
way to put it because I think you have to be intentional. You have to make a choice. Um, we talked about this um, last week in Mots, and one of the our subject matter was kind of like on like mundane moments. So guess what? I'm a mom. Guess what? I go home and I have laundry and I have to cook dinner. But I also have to be intentional in those moments that when I'm cooking dinner, like a lot of times my kids will come out and especially one that's doing homework will sit there and talk to me and we we have a conversation over the day or an intentional moment with laundry is I don't like to do it. So I give it to my kids to learn how to fold a shirt correctly or put away clothes. And I guess it's just simple of it's just making a choice to see that everything counts. And I think sometimes in our society, we look for these exceptional, great moments. And really, it's just making um, the little things count and putting down the technology. I think that sometimes our greatest moments come when we don't have something electronic part of it. Right. I, I think for me, at least in in our home, one of the things that I do, and this I do it to myself, unfortunately, it's... A weak point of mine is that I put these unrealistic expectations that sometimes I feel like that work has of me. So, uh, you know, when I'm at home feeling like that I need to get something done before a certain time for it to be, you know, good enough. You know, And so that's that's hard when I'm in my own head sometimes about thinking that these things need to be done so far in advance. And I at home, I, I wrestle with that because I, I, I'm a people pleaser at heart. And so that can be a good thing. It can be a negative thing. And so I think that that's where when when I get home, my my heart and my mind are still kind of at work thinking about some of the things I know I should be doing. But when I'm at with my family, that is my first and you know priority. At least it should be at the time, and I I wrestle with that sometimes. To pull this back to mental health, I I want to um, ask you guys a question around this table, and I think we all know that there is intentionality in the everyday moment that we can make, but there are times. When mental health is challenged because of something that comes in and it's not expectations, it's not the pressure of work, it's actually trauma or something that comes up in our life that actually misses, messes with us. Do you know, it takes us and it pulls us down. It could be a death. It could be a loss of a job. It could be a financial crisis. Do you get what I'm saying about this? Is that when we talk about balance of work and family, that's an everyday choice we can make and do intentional time with. But I just want to throw this idea out. It's not on our show notes. It's kind of off the cuff. But I think most of us would say that our most intense moments where we struggle with our mental health, knowing and who, you know, resting and knowing who God is and having that faith walk is in the moments that we weren't expecting, is in those moments that were really heavy and hard. Um, speak to that a little bit. Yeah, you know, we talked about this at small group last night. Um, we have seasons of our life for whatever reason uh, that we feel low or unmotivated or just discouraged. And for me, it's it's February. And that's when my my mom's birthday is in February, um, and my dad passed away in February, and so both of them are gone um, now. But whenever February gets around, I just feel low and unmotivated, and um, and I'm aware of it now. The first couple of years, I wasn't necessarily aware of it, and Francie was bearing the brunt of of just my attitude and my um, lack of motivation or just lack of just joy. Um, but you know, being aware of it allows me to, to be able to place those feelings aside and still be intentional, but it doesn't change the way I feel in those, in those seasons. Mm -hmm. 
One of my favorite books, and I think you've read this, Chris, is Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And one of the points in that book is to know our to know God is to know ourselves and becoming self-aware. Absolutely. They go, to the, you know, mental health and I think our spiritual, in, in my opinion, our spiritual life go hand in hand. Uh, if, if we are investing in the right things and the proper things, taking everything in its right perspective, I think we can have a better handle on our health when we are running at a, at a frazzled pace, you know, and then everything else is in chaos and we aren't taking time to build the right things back into our life. I think uh, life is chaos. And before mm-hmm. you know it, it's whatever time you're going to bed and you're waking up in the morning and you're running and you just, we don't ever stop. Mm-hmm. When I look at the family though, I, I think it's really important as the adults in the family that we are intentional about building family time in somehow. What that looks like, I think it could be different for every family. So I don't want to box us in. But one thing we've talked about quite a bit in the past, Angie, has been the family table. Mm-hmm. Uh, take time to sit down, catch up. How was your day over a meal? It, to be as intentional as you can be. And we understand that doesn't always happen that way. But but trying to build in some intentionality, taking time to to have some relaxation, some rest, to, to be intentional in regrouping as a family. So that, that priority, I think, that our children begin to sense is I am as valuable as other things in my parents' life. Because mm-hmm. I think sometimes we're showing our kids, even unconsciously, work is more important right now because it's at home, it's at home with me and I'm on my computer and I'm doing this and, and you're not as important right now. Mm-hmm. Makes sense? Dustin, one of the things we've said around here is that sometimes our best yes is a no because usually when we say yes to something, we're saying no to something else. And we've had this conversation, correct? Yes, we definitely have. And I think that that is something that I have, I've had to get better at and I've had to learn because, yeah, usually when you say yes to something that doesn't involve family, you're saying no to that extra time that you could be spending with your family. And so we've, my wife, Sharice and I, we've, we've had those conversations before, even if it's a Saturday where nothing is planned, sometimes I'll wake up or she'll wake up and we'll say, what do we need to be doing today? And sometimes the best answer is nothing. And that is, that is okay. Just going outside hanging out with the kids, finding something that we can do together instead of trying to just make up stuff just so that we can feel like we're being productive or whatever else. But that has been, it's been a challenge, but some of the most rewarding times and where I have felt at the end of the day, while that was just a great day, have been the days that there was nothing on the calendar. And I think sometimes when we look at our week and we see the white space, we are like, wow, why why don't I have anything? I must not have a lot going on or maybe I'm not that important today, you know, that there's nothing on the calendar. And so we'd fill it with whatever, just to feel like we're, but those days I think are significant in our week to be able to say this, these are times that we need to make sure that that white space stays white space so that we can continue to just have that time together. I would totally agree. And I think I'm going to also say, it's not just about our family, but our home. It's, it's also about our relationships with our spouse. And one of the things I challenged the gals with last week in Mott's is that we can, we can get so centered on our kids and their needs that we forget our spouse. And I know Chris, you're the empty nester. And so you get to look at your spouse and guess what? The goal is as parents is to actually like your spouse when you get to the empty nest. Absolutely. Instead of getting to the emptiness and say, who are you? I, yeah. I, I don't know who you are anymore. Yeah. Uh, I remember what you used to be 20 years ago, but who are you now? And I think that's why it's important all throughout our, our raising of children to make time for a spouse and to continue that focus on. Now, look, you know, as an empty nester, um, 
which you get to be someday yeah, soon. soon. <laughs> uh, you know, we look at this idea now and just get to get to write a new chapter. What, right. are, what is this new chapter going to look like? Are we going to build new rhythms into life? Um, now we're grandparents, so we get to play the grandparent hat. And, and, and I really like that. I like that part. But I think it plays this idea of mental health, even with kids, is that we can get so centered on our kids and push our kids to something that we want them to be. Yeah. Is it what they want? So let's make that pivot. So in, in moving from adults and maybe our role of bringing home uh, work and all the kind of stuff like that, let's talk about how to create a healthy home environment for our children to thrive in. Because what we're seeing, I believe, is is a growing um pressure upon children today. That's my interpretation. I might be wrong, I'm, I'm, but my sense is we just are adding more and more things. I'm going back in my childhood. Uh, I didn't have all the pressures athletically. You know, like you had seasons. You didn't have year-round seasons of sports. It just seems like, well, we were talking again about band practice as we were driving to Chinese food with some of the other ones and how it goes so late in the day. And, and, and all these all these seasons are just so much pressure. Uh, now you have, uh, you know, the SAT placement tests. You have specialized courses on, on academic things. Uh, there's just all kinds of things, AAU, things that we can be uh, pushing people to, to be a part of. It just seems like the pressure for a kid to thrive requires the addition of more and more. And how do we help our kids be healthy? I think how do we create home in such a way as to be a healthy environment for our kids to thrive in? So, Brant, you worked in the school system for many years, and you saw kids from all walks of life that had different support systems that helped create a healthy environment. Can you talk a little bit to this point that Chris is making, that our kids are pushed so far that a lot of times those top performers actually really struggle with the expectation on them? Yeah, Along with teaching, I coached for a number number of years, and kind of what I saw was that kids were getting burnout, um, and and they were so involved year round, like Chris was just saying, that the that the things that they're involved in, where there was joy initially, there there seemed to be just now it's just expected of me. Um, here's the here's what when you were talking, here's what I was thinking: Why can't we as parents just say no sometimes? And, and this is maybe this is a personal conviction, but, you know, there's so many things now that we have to our kids have to do in order to have a chance to succeed in whatever they're doing. I, I feel like the answer to that to, to saying no is the parental pressure to feel like I'm I don't want my kids to not like me. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is I, I want my kid to seem normal or appear to be normal. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that pressure to have them be normal uh, has thrown them into unhealthy patterns because we can't be the adult in the room to say no. Yeah. Right. Right. I, I just remember thinking that. And again, uh, Dustin and I are parenting at a different stage right now. And so I know that it's going to be a hard decision to make when, once we're there. Um, but you know, there's debates on whether or not to let your kids play play a sport that requires them to to do that thing. And I'm talking about younger kids, right? On a Sunday or or five five of the seven nights of week a week. Like, you know, Angie talks about the importance of the dinner table all the time and being able to sit down as a family and prioritizing that. 
And just so often it feels like they're not able to. And so speaking to when I was teaching, we'd have these parent teacher conferences that would turn into counseling sessions a lot of times with parents. And they were, they were just thirsty for advice. And, and I was, I'm, I was a young teacher. I'm, I'm still, you know, I would still be considered a younger teacher. Right. And, and they're asking me for advice. And, and I, so often I wanted to say, just say, no, just don't, don't do ever. You can't do everything mm-hmm. and function at a high level. So do something, allow them to be a part of something or tell them you can choose this or this and then go with that. Um, but it, it's kind of this keeping up with the Joneses mentality that has really kept us down. Mm-hmm. So. And it really messes with our health mentally because it gets us to this point of being stressed and emotionally overloaded and totally becoming a group of people that aren't really that fun to hang out with, you know? And we right. become that um, that short fuse. Who does it come out with? It comes out with our kids. Mm-hmm. So we have to actually take ourselves and pull ourselves back from situations and be okay that sometimes our best yes is a no. And a little bit of FOMO isn't mm-hmm. the problem. I mean, we can't we can't live in that world that we're gonna miss out, our kids gonna miss out. Mm-hmm. It's we're gonna miss our kids' life. We're gonna miss that connection relationally, and we're gonna get to the end of their growing up years and we're gonna look at each other and we're like, wait. Did we grow a healthy adult? I'm not sure. Because that's the goal is a healthy adult. I think what you just said when you said FOMO, that fear of missing out is what really causes our mental health to be out of balance. So many people are have this fear of missing out or fear for their kids of missing out. And it's a learned behavior that our children are seeing. So now they have this fear of missing out if they're not involved in this. But then that breeds out of that breeds this entitlement. Mm-hmm. right? So-and-so gets to do this. Why don't I get to do this? Why didn't I make this team? Why am I not on this club team or whatever it is? And and I think at the root of it is just that fear of missing out. Mm-hmm. And it's and actually stems back all the way to an identity problem mm. and that our identity doesn't flow from what we do and what we perform and how we do this. And so mental health can be a true um, problem when we when we are identified by our job our kids our sport activity our um, results when it doesn't come from god and who he um says he we are in him as a child of god who's loved and when we are setting in that we're able to live in a whole different frame of mind (laughs) i really believe and that's what the bible talks about many times is framing our thoughts giving ourselves over to a renewal of our mind so that it changes us and it actually does change us it actually impacts our actions and gives us the fruit of the spirit in our lives. Mm-hmm. So we've talked a lot about pace of life, and and that is something I think is just going to be a constant battle. But when I when when Angie gave us these topics that we had to choose <laughs> uh, to to talk about or to write a blog about and such like that, my mind went to mental health, and it went to pace, but it also went to communication. How do we create healthy? places of communication in the home. I think this is something that is a big struggle today. Uh, How do we have environments where our kids can have open and honest conversations about the things that are really bothering them? Mm -hmm. How do we create safe spots in our homes for dialogue about things that hurt them, that, um, 
that are concerning to them. Yeah, I don't know what it was like for you guys. Uh, you guys have very young kids, uh, Brent and Dustin, uh, Angie. You and I had older kids at this moment. Uh, I don't know what it was like with your kids growing up, Angie, but I felt like when I'd get in the car, I'd try to say, hey, how's your day? Good. All right. W- what else happened today? Nothing. Do you enjoy anything? No. <laughs> you know, like, okay. I got to think about how do I get more out of them? It, it, does that still happen today? But I, I appear, I apparently. It does. <laughs> yeah. does. Even yeah. with our second grade daughter, it does. And that's the, that's part of the challenge too, is like, okay, because we can't, so I'm trying to find new and creative and fun ways to, you know, have her, you know, talk about her day or what she's doing at school or whatever. But yeah, I mean, even going back to some of those conversations about sports stuff or not necessarily even sports, but different extracurricular activities. How, even with her at her age in second grade, but asking her, like not just saying, hey, you're going to do soccer or you're going to do basketball because that's what everybody else is doing. But hey, would you want to do soccer? Like, cause we, we don't want you to do it if you don't want to do it. I mean, we, we want to encourage you to try stuff. But at the same time, like if you're saying that you hate it, then you don't have to do it, you know. And so and one day she hates it. Then the next day she wants to go do it. So that's that it's just kind of at a tough age. But even starting it at her age now to be able to have those open conversations of like it not being about us and what we want for her, but her being able to express herself freely to say, Hey, this is what I like and and don't like. And I think that will help build that communication moving forward. Not that it will make it any easier, but hopefully it establishes that foundation that it's already there. I think uh, Dan and I were just talking about this last night and there's two concepts as a parent that I think are so, they're paradoxes, but they're so important. And it's not only being the teacher for your kid, but being a learner of your kid and being a learner of the situation. And so when you say about communication, I think one of the main things is it doesn't work the same for each kid. It's different. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't even work the same for your spouse. You know, everybody has to be learned and it takes work and it takes knowledge and understanding. And I just, I just challenge you, learn your kid, learn what makes them tick. You're going to figure it out. The more you work on it, the more you're aware, because if we get caught up in this rat race, like we're talking about, Chris, this whole idea of balancing our life and our own, our own health, we get, when we start looking outside ourselves, we become healthier. We become healthier parents. We become healthier adults, friends, spouses. And we look to the other and we say, I want to know you. And that actually takes time and energy. And um, it's really important, I think, in communication is to know your kids, get them to talk about what they want to talk about. It eventually comes out. (laughs) I I feel like today, I feel like parents do the majority of the talking. We talk to our kids. We talk at our kids. I I would like to challenge families to begin to ask the question, how do we, how much active listening do we do? I'm actually listening to my children. I'd love to listen to the conversations. I always liked it when we picked up other kids and had them, you know, hauling. I I remember even Brent used to be Brendan's basketball coach, and I remember sometimes hauling these girls to basketball or something uh, and and to listen to the conversations. You would learn so much about what's happening in school, what's happening in life, you know, boys and all kinds of Mm -hmm. stuff like that, by just listening. And I think if we can create environments in our home where, as parents, we do more listening than we do the talking at. I think that would be a great environment to build on. And that requires us, you know, some of the coaching uh, experiences, uh, the training events that we've been a part of, teach us to ask open-ended questions that aren't just giving the no or yes one-word answers, but trying to find ways to actively communicate and then build a safe place for our kids to listen to. Because I think when 
our kids are now faced with trouble and trauma or something's really bothering them. If we've created a place where they feel like they can be heard in the home, then that's a healthy place for them to come have those conversations. Unfortunately, I think we don't see that happening as, as frequently as necessary today. Right. And I think it's really important. It was so interesting. And I don't know, as your kids get older, I go into the appointments, like just a uh, like a health checkup for a physical. You know what the doctor says? Do you have anybody in your life that you can talk to? Can you talk to mom and dad? That's something that has become a really high priority in the medical world because processing out loud is so makes us so healthy mentally. Being able to let go and allow our anxieties, allow our worries, but also our reality to just come out and be spoken. Any thoughts on that, guys? <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, I, I thought what Chris was saying was kind of where I was heading with that as well. And just, you know, I have so many opportunities to listen to what my kids and my spouse are saying in moments where I'm distracted. And if I if I allow the distractions to kind of fade away and I'm just intentional about listening to either their conversation over here or like Chris said, in the back seat, I'm actually learning a lot in an indirect way. Right. And sometimes it's that that secondhand information that really tells me what I was seeking firsthand. Um, they just communicate in a different way. And again, like you said, Angie, every kid is different. Some kids will tell you literally everything and you're like, I don't need to know that much. And other kids, you have to probe it out of them. So, yeah, there's the I don't know how well this fits or not, but there is this picture that was been floating around on the on the Internet. And it's of this kid that's in his dad's office. The dad's on the computer and he's like, Daddy, Daddy. And the dad says, not now, son. And then it keeps doing that. And then after a while, the, the last picture is the, the dad going to the son saying, hey, son, son. And the son says, I'm busy, not now, dad. And just that whole idea of availability. I mean, to be able to be open and willing, willing to drop everything, going back to the idea of being intentional, like you were talking about, Angie, of no matter how busy or what we think we have, there's nothing more important than the immediacy of the child's need in that moment. So to being able just to address that and at that time shows them that, oh, wow, I am, I am important. Like I am more important than whatever dad or mom was doing. So, yeah. And even if this is a funny conversation that Katie and Dan had on the way at like 7am to a swim meet on Saturday, Katie just, Dan's like half asleep. He hasn't even had his full cup of coffee and he's driving her in for warmups. And she goes, dad, is Jesus the only way to heaven? And you're just like sitting there and they have this really in-depth conversation at 7 a.m. And Dan comes home and he tells me, he goes, you won't believe it. We just had a really good conversation. And I'm really glad our kids can ask those questions. And and I, and I it was just funny because I think when you say availability, I, I say that because it comes at really inopportune moments sometimes right. yeah. when you feel yeah. like very un, like you're I'm just tired. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm just totally not ready for it. Can we just do this at another time? Let's book an appointment at 1 p.m. You know? Yeah. And I say that because because it is so important and relationships take time. Mm -hmm. And we say that a lot of here that we have to make the time. We have to have the interruption in our life to build that relationship. I started to chuckle a little bit ago, Angie, when you talked about medical and, mm -hmm. and I don't know if you guys have been to the doctor lately, but when the doctor says to you, like before you even see the doctor, the nurse is going through this list of things like on a scale of one to 10, how mm -hmm. depressed have you felt lately? Like, I'm like, Right now, I feel horrible. I'm sick. Like, my mental health is not good. Why? Because my physical health is not good. Uh, you know, and, and then I usually, the doctor comes in, and I'm like, hey, uh, 
you know, don't take that real serious. What right, I just right. said, I think I'm okay. Yeah. Just I'm sick. Yeah. I don't feel well. <laughs> but that does bring us to a mental, like a medical side of things. Mm-hmm. Here, here's one thing for parents listening as we begin to wrap this down. I really want to to make sure that you realize the importance of having counselors in your life, seeking mental health uh, professionals, even counselors, therapists, and so on. Like this, there is a place for that, and I feel like. A stigma has been created, and I'm hopeful that it's actually changing a little bit to where it's not such a negative stigma. I'm under the impression that every one of us need counselors. We need somebody to talk to. We need somebody to process hard things with. I I have hope that the home can develop into that healthy spot, but there's times it requires things beyond the home. And I think we need to seek the mental health professionals that we have. We have a great list of people who we would say are um, Christian mental health counselors. And so they come at it from a spiritual vantage point, but they also come at it from a mental health, uh, mental needs standpoint. So I, I just want to make sure that as parents, as, as other families, you're hearing us say, this isn't just about solving all the problems at home. There are times that things elevate to the point where we need counselors to play a role in our life. Mm-hmm. Any last thoughts, you guys, before we close up today? I think we can say that your Chinese was good and that today you stayed with us. You're not in your nap today. And so listeners, I don't know where you're at, if you're driving down the road or listening while you do um, housework or other things, we just appreciate you. And we want to let you into our lives a little bit. And I think that's important here at um, At Home, the podcast. So as we uh, see this episode come to an end, I I want us to Start the process of changing the stigma of mental health. I believe that together as families, as church communities and so on like that, we can make priority of the mental health issues in our communities and start to address them in a healthy way so that we see some of the, the, the challenges of the day begin to diminish. And so we're here as a church to help you. We're here to walk with you as families. We want your homes to be healthy and we want our homes to be healthy. And it's a, it's a struggle sometimes we need each other and so on this journey together let's journey together towards healthy mental health type of homes walkiemc is here for you if we can help you in any way check out our website walkiemc.org and on the website there's a tab for at home and we would love to hear from you let us know if there's topics or things that we can help address here talk about on our podcast until next time we wish you grace and peace